0: OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope.
1: Are you ready to put the OHL on blast again this week? Or what, Farwell? Why do you want me to put the OHL on blast? Last week, you come out and you're like, it's not good for the league that the first round ended. By the time this podcast is over, the second round is going to be over and we had eight teams (laughs) across the league go all in and the top dogs are saying we're at the top for a reason the west is going to be over but is it no still going right now the east you might get a little longer thanks to that niagara oshawa matchup but holy whoopens is the ontario hockey league playoff going to be done so quickly
0: yeah and i didn't think necessarily it was putting the league on blast I like know. we have through the season for a lack of transparency and uh, i don't think it's necessarily necessarily the league's fault on the whole three-star schmaz but that's a whole other story i do though think and i i would say again and i wanted to bring that up because yeah at the time of this recording the ottawa 67s could i don't want to jinx anybody or be accused of trying to jinx anybody they will and the saginaw spirit also they will. could Right? I don't know. Sue, at home, there's some pride there. They will. Okay. So, even at the time of this recording, you can still count on one hand the number of games won by the underdog team in these OHL playoffs. There have been five. Three in the first round, two so far in the second round, pending the results of the night that we record this podcast. And just to tie this all together for you, because... it's only one in the second round.
1: Niagara's up two one on Oshawa. Yeah, but the Guel- rest are three zero. Oh, Guelph 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 just one the last other night. night. That's yeah. right. I, I so. forgot. I watched the game for Pete's sakes. Yeah, forgot about that one. And so <laughs> mostly because it's
0: meaningless. It was somebody that uh, it was one of those anonymous accounts. Those are my favorites. But mm. that tweeted at me after I suggested that the first round was not necessarily. Or I, I, I think the way I put it was I'm not sure this is a good look for the league. Three wins for the underdog team in round number one through those eight series. And, and his response was, yeah, let's just make everybody mediocre. That'd be great for the game. But really what he's saying, or she, I don't know, it was an anonymous account, really what that person was saying is, why don't you make it like the National Hockey League where there's some parody? And I, I know the arguments against parody. A lot of people like the dynasties and, hey, if you figure out how to make it work and this and that. But you look at night one, night one of the NHL playoffs when the mighty, mighty... Tampa Bay Lightning not only lose, but they cough up a lead in losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And tell me that doesn't excite you. Tell me that doesn't add a little bit of drama. Of course it does. There's a couple road teams that won. I don't know if it adds excitement. I'm like, oh, way to go. You got one. It makes you believe that anything is possible. There is not that much of a difference between Tampa Bay and Columbus as we saw in round number one between, oh, I don't know, London and Windsor.
1: Oh, okay, so Owen Sound won a game in the Sioux.
0: Does that give them hope? We're going to make the second round. No, no. But doesn't I don't know. It to me, it's just it's more compelling if the if there's not such a difference. If there was any chance of an upset, any chance of an upset anywhere. And listen, don't you write off John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets just yet, my friend. I'm well. Listen, I
1: <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind. Tampa did not want to face Columbus. Columbus is. A good hockey club and Sergey Bobrovsky is a game changer. However, at the Ontario Hockey League level, I really don't think it matters because watch a game, even at the National Hockey League level, whether it goes four straight or seven, it's the quality of hockey that you need to be worried about. And yes, this second round has been a complete beatdown by the top teams again, but it's still good hockey. I watched that London-Guelph game last night. I thought it was good hockey. I thought game one was pretty good. I, I, I watched game well, four, and it was it was good hockey. Whether London wins that game or not, it really doesn't, matter but the product on the ice you got two dual goaltenders to the top goaltenders in this league in the east in Sudbury and Ottawa going head-to-head every night that's good despite the offense taking over but that is still good excuse me good hockey and I, I think that's the what you need to worry about the product on the ice not just looking at how many games people won. who cares nobody like you won the series there's nothing we could do about it
0: whether both teams are equal and you get swept you get swept Just so you know, we're going to break down the uh, award winners in the Ontario Hockey League this season and give you who our picks would be before they are officially announced by the league, and that over there is Chris Pope. You can find him on Twitter, at underscore Chris Pope. I'm Mike Farwell, at underscore, or at Farwell underscore OHL. I I think you make a good point, Popper, uh, insofar as all you really want is good hockey, and you know That's a rather subjective term, but you're right. A team could win four straight, but they could all be overtime games for all we know. They could all be very competitive or just well-played games. I don't disagree with that, and I think it's a good point. I would say in this second round, though, I'm rather surprised at how easily London has gone through Guelph so far. I mean, Guelph gave themselves... A glimmer of hope, I guess, with that Game 4 win, avoiding the sweep. And moreover, on the other side of the league, Pekka Lukaden, a guy whose tires we've been pumping all season long, uh, has looked anything but that stud that put up six shutouts in the regular season. And I'm surprised to see, not that I expected Sudbury to win the series, but I'm surprised to see them on the brink as we record this podcast tonight. There's a lot of things to be surprised
1: about in the Ontario Hockey League this playoffs, and I think Ottawa putting up some big, crooked numbers. They've scored 21 goals against UPL in three games. Two eight spots. That is impressive against a guy that is getting votes for the most outstanding player in the league. This is a goaltender that went off to the World Juniors and all of a sudden Sudbury came back down to reality. This is their best player for sure, and arguably – the best player, the best goalie in the Eastern Conference. I think that's it's crazy to see. But even on the other end, like Sudbury's been pretty good. They've, they've put up two five spots. That's two eight five wins for Ottawa. Mikey DiPietro's struggles in the nation's capital continue. He is not the Michael DiPietro we have seen in Windsor. In his time in Ottawa in the regular season, it is the first time in his Ontario Hockey League career. He has a save percentage under 910. In fact, it's under 900. That's insane. It hasn't gotten any better in the playoffs. Normally, he elevates his game in the playoffs. Last year with a Windsor team that just got in, he had a save percentage of 934 in the playoffs. That's I wonder, insane.
0: It's 898 right now. I wonder if for Mikey, because you go back, of course, to the Memorial Cup year in Windsor when they were bounced in the first round had to come back and win the tournament kind of through the back door, as we would say, as hosts. But he was money in the round robin and into the championship. And then last year, with nothing on the line, it's almost as though it's it's too much of a team with him. And I, I don't know if there's anything to that. The mental edge, the focus is lost just that little bit. But it's those are surprisingly pedestrian numbers for a guy like Mike DiPietro.
1: He, couldn't agree more. I don't. I don't even have the words because it blows my mind. He had a shutout in between those eight five wins. Like, how do you go from letting in five to shutting him out to letting in five again? It, but I think he doesn't have to be that guy. He's not facing forty shots a game and having to make massive saves because they are so good defensively. Exactly. They, they have the back pressure from the forwards. They have a really good back end, with the likes of Kevin Ball and and Cole. Um, it's just a really good team in the nation's capital, and they are putting a whooping on Sudbury.
0: You and I made uh, a number of bets during the regular season because we are degenerates. Mm-hmm. We ended up uh, even coming into the playoffs, and then I made perhaps one of the dumbest bets, but I'll, I'll uh, back up my words even when they're rather foolish, uh, and I took... London versus the field, because I said the OHL final would be Ottawa-London, which is not the most outrageous thing to do, but when you actually put a wager on it and you realize you have just wagered London versus seven other teams in the Western Conference, you're thinking, well, okay, that might not have been the smartest thing, but you, sir you were, were very brazen on Twitter as the second round got underway <laughs> because Guelph went through Kitchener like a buzzsaw. Uh, and you're like, oh, Farwell, I can't wait to have that beer. Shoot. And I wanted, I wanted to come back at you, but then I realized, well, no, because looks like Saginaw, assuming the Sioux doesn't pull off a miraculous comeback, London can get through Guelph and I'm feeling pretty good about that because you chirped me before this series, but I'm like, Oh, Freg. we we got one more to go, and it's not getting any easier. However... Boy, does Saginaw look good. But this London team... Holy cow. Come on with this London team. Oh, I'm more impressed with Saginaw right Are now. you really? Well, yeah, that's why I took the
1: bet. Fair um, enough. I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't expect London to do what they're doing to Guelph. That, I didn't think they'd get through Guelph, let alone so easy. But this Guelph team does not look like the Guelph team we saw against Kitchener. Like, whole, but I, I I'm still... From the team where that shows or that believes that the Storm Hockey Club, if they want, like this is the team that could rhyme off four against London, no problem. Fair enough, no problem. If any team could, it would be this Guelph team for sure. But London's shooting from the right spots, getting quality scoring chances, and shooting quickly on Anthony Popovich, and that is the weakness with Guelph. And when you get down in games, we talked about it all year long. The success Kitchener had when scoring first and the struggles they had when chasing games. And when you're chasing games, especially against a team like London that plays such good team defense with the trap, it's extremely hard on players. And that that's the one thing that London has on this Guelph Hockey Club that if you can frustrate them and you take away the funness of hockey, if you will, you make them have to get dirty and grimy and bang in front of the net and get those rebounds, get the tip goals. It's not as fun. They were tic-tac-toeing Luke Richardson. Out, out, or being hung out to dry, and it was fun. But when you start, those passes aren't there, and they're interrupted. And then you got to play defense. It sucks.
0: I think it's almost a little bit of the opposite. I think Guelph came into the series thinking they'll just take the same game plan that they did versus Kitchener. They've got the heavy game. They'll physically dominate. And London's like, yeah, that doesn't happen against us. And you, if you notice when you're watching this series, every time, and I'm not, I'm not saying this as a criticism at all because. We know I've been critical of London in the past, but I want to make that clear up front. Every single time there's a whistle, there's a shot. Not dirty, not nasty. Oh, it's time. not like a cup check, but there's a, there's a shove. There's a headlock. There's a whatever after every whistle. Nudge, needle, poke, prod, shove, push, whatever. There should be. It's
1: the playoffs. London going to London, my friend. Oh, I think just any team. If you're not pushing someone after the whistle, hoping to get a retaliatory slash in two minutes, you're doing it wrong. Just
0: remember, I like my beer cold. You still think London gets through Guelph and Saginaw? Well, let's face it. London is through Guelph. So yes, I think they get through Saginaw as well. That Saginaw team is going to steamroll them. Ten goals against Matthew Vallalta and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. They're so big,
1: so fast. Their fourth line is nasty. They have a good goaltender. They have the offense. Owen Tippett is on another planet.
0: So are we just going to sit here and say now like we did before round two, ah, here come the good series. Okay, the conference finals, they're going to be great. No, I said they're going to steamroll them. At this this rate, 4-1 probably. Oh my goodness, you are drunk. You okay. want to increase the bet? I wish I was. Can <laughs> I say that? I'm kidding. Um, no, I don't. I, I, uh, listen,
1: whether I'm right or wrong, I really don't care. But I, I have never had faith in this London team all season long. I'm surprised that hasn't been restored or at least lit I'm, a little bit. The oh, trust me, I'm, imp- I'm impressed. Should be. I am impressed with, with what they're doing with Guelph. But we have seen that Storm Hockey Club play some awful hockey. And I'll be honest, I've watched one game, so I can't say whether it's London actually beating Guelph or whether the Storm are just sitting back, going, "Well, we're stacked. We had a great first round. Now we're going to roll." So I, they, they've been known to do that. Look at their Kitchener beat them two games. Those two games that Kitchener beat them after the trade deadline, they looked awful. They looked horrible. They have way too many game changers and way too much talent on that team to lose. Like you look at it on paper, Guelph should hand London their rear ends. It's not close, but. London's got four
0: lines that buys into a system and plays well in a strong goaltender. And that's what seems to be working. It certainly is, as it always seems to, for that team out of the Forest City. One of the other things that happened since our last podcast is the Ontario Hockey League draft. And I got to say, you know, we make the jokes every year as it comes into the draft. And every team, oh, didn't expect that player to still be around. And we're happy to get him where we did and this and that. And I will also say after being in this league for as long as I have, it is so hard to evaluate at this level. It's one thing for the NHL draft when players have filled out physically and matured mentally even a little bit more at the age of 18 and beyond. But these are 15-year-old kids. Sure, you watched them for a couple of years. Sure, you saw them against other 15-year-old kids. And we know how mediocre to put it nicely some of those 15 year olds are so it it, to me there are so few surefire bets even in the first round so I, I don't know how much how much excitement it generates for me anymore but we saw the draft and shockingly Shane Wright went to Kingston
1: I think the first round is pretty there's first round talent and then there's other round talent the first-rounders stand out. You know who they are. Whether what, what they do after, but you know the first-rounders are the first-rounders. I Or at least like the top, let's say top 30. Those kids stand out. You're like, yep, no doubt. He's going in the first round where? Then that becomes how much did we see of him? Where's his game going to develop? What kind of player is he going to become? What kind of person is he um, and but I think there's that talent that stands out above the rest, and then once we get into, like, I don't know how these scouts do it in, like, the sixth and seventh round, I'm like, he, there's 300 players being taken right now. Like, what is, what is going on? But the little bit that I did get to see of Shane Wright, next level. Like, there's no question he deserved the exceptional status and there's no question he was going first it, he was
0: head and shoulders above everyone on the ice the fun thing is we get to watch him in the league now for the next three years yeah twice a season i know well this is something you stupid wanna, flint you want to talk about putting the league on blast yeah good call because we could have seen him more times but uh i i think that it's time it's it's high time we talked about the playoff format in our last podcast and you know, one through sixteen, I still subscribe to. I'm I'm open to the idea of reseeding after the first round. Ooh, I don't like that. And then, well, because you, you never like with, with, if know you're going you one through sixteen, you could have geographical mismatches. And I don't care so much about the travel as I do about the interest in the game. If you end up with Windsor, Ottawa, as an example, I don't know how many people will. How, I don't know how much interest that will generate in the respective communities when it's a one sixteen matchup, and they're that. Geographically separated, but I, I, I'm with you. But our first round this year was Kitchener-Guelph, and no one showed up. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's and that's a 15 minute drive yeah. if you're fast. That's no, a good point. That's a good point. But that, that's just one one occasion. But I know I know what you mean. I think it's something that we should really be and continue to pressure the league on re re uh, evaluating its its playoff format. But the other thing, to your point about seeing Shane Wright twice. We need to rebalance. Absolutely. We need to rebalance the schedule in the Ontario Hockey League. There's just, there is no reason, there is no reason whatsoever that one team needs to play another team eight times in a 68-game season. There's just no need for it. And if you do rebalance it, you're also giving the fans the opportunity to see a Shane Wright more than they otherwise would have.
2: Which
1: is going to help the bottom line of everybody. I think so. I would think Except for Kingston, so people aren't driving to Kingston to see Shane Wright all the time. They're just sitting in their home centers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. There you go, yeah. Anyway, so we, uh, getting back to the draft, we were able to catch up with the Rangers' first-round pick because, you know, that's where this podcast originates, in Kitchener.
1: Who You talked about how every year there's somebody who or a lot of scouts or general managers say, oh, we were surprised he was there. We were surprised he was actually available to us. You hear it almost all the time. But if you look at a lot of mock drafts online... Uh, Mr. Pinelli was not supposed to be there at 13. Lucky 13. He was not supposed to be there at all. He was, there were some drafts had him in top five. Yep. But he falls to Kitchener. I like it.
0: <laughs> he falls to Kitchener and then he talks to us. It's nice of you to chat with us now because you are going to be sick of us by about Christmas time, I yeah. think.
1: we're around the team a lot we travel with you guys and uh we do the radio broadcast for the team so you'll see a lot of our two bald heads around
2: okay
0: and and you can make fun of those bald heads anytime you want okay that's the relationship we need to have
2: (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're gonna just uh, record a little something here for our podcast which we do through the season and you can be uh I, i mean i think this will be the first of many appearances i'd like to think anyway Okay, Okay. sounds good. I I think we should start, Francesco, with a happy birthday.
1: Just real quick, I want to let let him know, Francesco, if you make a mistake or whatever, you can just start over. This is all recorded, nothing's live, so there's no pressure. We'll take a couple minutes of your time here, and if you make a mistake, just start over. We can edit that out. Okay, thank you. All right, buddy.
2: So how's the birthday been? Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been good. Long day, though. What'd you get up to? Pardon?
1: What did you get up to? What'd you do?
2: Oh uh, well, I just got up and I just went to school. Basically, my mom was up; she cooked me breakfast and then just went off to school. My I saw my brother there and he wished me a happy birthday at the school. And uh, after school, I had a workout and then I saw my dad and my little brother and yeah.
0: That's the life of a hockey player, right there. After school, you have to work out. It's your birthday; you don't even get birthdays off <laughs> yeah. from the gym. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> what did did you? Uh, are you old enough to still get presents?
2: Uh, well, no, my mom just got me uh, just some uh, shirts and pants, so nothing too crazy.
1: Hey, buddy, you take those. Yeah, because... I'm, we, we I'm go 33, on- <laughs> and I still love getting socks,
0: <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> we go on the road, you got to look the part, right? Yeah. What about birthday cake? Chocolate, vanilla, anything? Carrot cake?
2: No, we didn't have a cake. Uh, we just had our dinner, and that was about it.
0: Yeah, he's got his rookie season ahead
1: of him. He's got to yeah. stay trim, right? <laughs> See, it's a, it, it, it,
2: I already had uh, the draft party, so like we already had like, a bunch of cannolis and stuff like that, so I didn't uh, want to have too much junk.
1: Take of... the gun, leave the cannoli. I like it. Uh, how, <laughs> are those homemade cannolis?
2: Uh, no, they're from the Sam Bakery or something like that, but they're still really good, I guess.
0: Francisco, has anybody given you the... Uh the inside scoop on the Caruso Club in Sudbury. You just mentioned cannoli, and I'll tell you, it's a favorite stop on the circuit for a lot of these players who love their old-school Italian food. Uh, no, not really. I've
2: never heard
0: of it. Okay. You're going to hear about it, and you're going to enjoy a meal there. Sometimes we get even two or three meals at the Caruso Club. We try, to, we try to get there as often as we can. We make excuses to stop in Sudbury. So It's outstanding. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. To the task at hand here, Francesco, your name gets called in the first round of the Ontario Hockey League priority selection by the Kitchener Rangers. And uh, what was the first thing that went through your mind when you heard your name?
2: Uh, just, uh, was so, uh, pleased and honored to be selected by, a, such a great organization. Um, when I got called, me and my family kind of celebrated, a little emotional, but to to know that I'm, I'm getting drafted to such a great organization with such great atmosphere and history behind is, feels great.
0: what did you know about the organization? what did what did you know about the Kitchener Rangers before this draft?
2: Well, I, I didn't know too much. I just knew they had a lot of history, like Jeff Skinner and, People like that got drafted to the NHL, and um, also I heard about the fans. I heard they're crazy and stuff like that. So,
1: Francesco, you mentioned uh, your your family and you were watching the TV. I, I, I read a quick story about your draft day. How you got up and you did your normal routine, but then you walked downstairs and there was a bit of a surprise in your living room.
2: Yeah, um, uh, my uh, cousins came over and my nonna, um, so all the family was over. I was kind of surprised, and yeah, it was, it was good though.
0: What does this mean to you at this stage of your career, Francesco? Obviously, we know what the, and you already mentioned Jeff Skinner's name, getting drafted to the NHL. That would be the ultimate goal. But this is a pretty important step along the way. What does this mean to you as a hockey player?
2: Yeah, it obviously means a lot. Um, just to get drafted by the Kitchener Rangers. Um, I worked all my life for to get drafted to the OHL. So um, all that hard work kind of paid off. But now uh, it's just beginning. So got to keep on going.
1: Did you have any idea that uh, Kitchener was interested?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I went to go visit them. Um, they kind of showed me around the rink and stuff like that, their work area and their room and kind of like the rink all around. So it was great. So, yeah. Francesco,
1: you mentioned that you went to visit Kitchener, and I'm wondering if you can take us through it because we both were never drafted to the Ontario <laughs> Hockey League. <laughs> we, we both weren't talked about as being a top pick in the draft and and definitely a first rounder what was the year like for you as you are being uh courted if you will or or wined and dined by other OHL teams
2: oh yeah it was a very exciting year um the Toronto Red Wings we had a good year uh we started off slow and then we made the OHL Cup and made uh, the semifinals. so like that kind of uh, exposure kind of helped like our whole team um uh, I think 10 players from my team got drafted so that's Great
0: you talk about that experience in the o h l Cup. that means you would have seen a kid named Shane Wright on the ice too. You'll be seeing more of him in the o h l but what did you think of uh, lining up against a guy like that?
2: Yeah, he's really good um, he's a, hell of a player uh good off face sauce and he's a great skater so
1: it, lots of talk about Shane Wright there's also lots of talk about a guy on your team this year and Adam fantilli what's he like
2: yeah, he's a great guy off the ice and also also on the ice um he just works hard hardest every shift um he has a great shot and he always competes so
1: your year this year was uh let's just say pretty impressive uh you take a look at the stats that's a lot of points in 71 games 114 points what led to that success
2: um just our, our team our whole team were around uh we just played great all around uh we moved the puck, and um we found each other in the slot. And, we shot pucks and we finished in our opportunities. What we had.
0: You mentioned the fans here in Kitchener and how crazy they can be. It's a great atmosphere to play junior in. What can these fans in Kitchener expect to see when Francesco Pinelli is on the ice?
2: Um, I, I think they could expect a um, a two way center or a winger or whatever I play. Um, I could I could be physical at times, so some people get surprised when I hit and stuff like that. Um, I think I, could, I have hockey IQ and. I like to shoot the puck as well.
0: How does it feel uh, coming from that team you just came from that you mentioned started slow, uh, eventually made the semifinals of the OHL Cup, but now coming into a brand new league where you're kind of the, the little man on campus all over again? Are there any any nerves at this point?
2: Yeah, it's also, it's a little nerve-wracking, but I'm more excited than nervous um, just, to, just to know that I'm playing in such a great organization. Um, in front of a lot of fans, it might be a little nerve-wracking, but... I'm um, just going to play my game and how I usually play and hopefully everything goes well. We win games.
1: Your name gets called. You celebrate with the family. I'm sure your phone was buzzing off the hook, probably took a couple phone calls, called some friends, and then you eventually throw on the suit and you head for Kitchener for the first time as a Kitchener Ranger. What was the feeling like when you walked in the door for the first time?
2: Yeah, it was honestly amazing. Um, I couldn't really believe how what was happening. Uh, it was so surreal. And... um to walking through the doors, knowing that I'm maybe a Kitchener um, felt really well, really good. So just to just to know I got drafted by them, felt like amazing.
0: Let's talk about your background. How did you get started in the game?
2: Um, well, my dad played high level soccer, and then uh, once he once he had high school, he started to play hockey. And I guess when he had us, uh, my my brother played house league, and uh, he was doing pretty well. So my dad put me in the sport as well, and my little brother, so then after we just started, my dad loved the game, so he put us in the sport, and then we started to love, it and now we play it. Did you always
1: want to play in the Ontario Hockey League and eventually try to make the National Hockey League?
2: Yeah, it's always been a dream of mine. Um, since day one, I always wanted to go to the NHL, um, but as I got older, I, had to, I noticed that the OHL was right below it, and you had to go to the OHL to get to the NHL. So I worked, I worked my hardest, and... Um, Every day I try to put as much effort into the sport as, uh, as I can and then uh, hopefully get drafted to the OHL and hopefully get drafted to the NHL and that would be a dream come true for me.
0: You talk about that effort, and we were joking a little bit earlier, it's your birthday and you can't even get a day off from going to the gym. What's uh, what's the effort like in this off season as a kid that's going to come into the O as a, as a rookie? What are your days like in terms of preparation, exercise, eating, etc.?
2: But yeah, I usually start off with a a big breakfast, and then I go to school. And then after school, I'll probably have a skate or or a workout. I usually work out uh, three to four times a week, and then on the ice three or four times a week as well. So I try to manage my time as best as possible with school right now, so hockey.
1: Francesco, you mentioned that uh, your older brother played. Obviously, we've come to know that he was uh, taken uh, by the Rangers in the U18 draft as well. Uh, what's it going to be like when you come to camp and he's out there with you?
2: Yeah, it'd be amazing. Um, hopefully, we both make the team. Uh, it would be dream come true to play with him, and he's a great player. So hope I hope the best for everything.
0: Who's the better player in the family?
2: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I know that's I've a got... tough one. Yeah.
1: Oh, you could say it's you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up with a with an older and a younger brother, you mentioned. What was that like?
2: Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, just to, like we always compete against each other, like whenever we're playing basketball or hockey. So it's fun to, to, to compete against someone else and have fun with them. And such a, such a great honor to have both of them in my life.
0: Who has been the biggest influence on your hockey career?
2: Uh, probably my dad my, well, probably my parents. Um, just because all the time and effort they put into driving and cooking and, um, paying the bills to even play hockey because it's so expensive now. But um, even my brother, too, um, growing up, uh, he was older than me, so he kind of taught me uh, like little plays and stuff he does. So just like little tips like that really helped.
1: I got to ask because there's over the course of the last couple of years, there's been uh, plenty of Italian. Kids on the team, and there's lots of food talk from Joseph Gareffa <laughs> to Adam mascarin yeah. to Jeremy Brocco. That it's a lot of food talk, and we already talked cannolis. So I got to ask: if you're going to have one meal, if it's a if you get it's your birthday today, if your parents or your grandparents say, you know what, you can have any meal in the world, what is the meal that you're picking?
2: Uh, probably like a, a veal sandwich or like lasagna or something like that with like sausages and like that so i
0: don't know <laughs> with the cannoli for dessert
1: right
2: yeah
0: <laughs> francesco let me tell you when you get here i am going to tell you the best place to go for a veal sandwich it'll blow your mind i promise okay okay you can have it on cheat day don't tell brandon murley the strength and conditioning coach we'll <laughs> just we'll we'll make it a secret for us yeah <laughs> who's your uh, favorite nhl team uh they're trying
2: to make the leafs so
0: oh so you got plans tonight
2: no, <laughs>
1: you're gonna watch the game.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna watch the game though.
1: Oh, good. Who's your favorite player?
2: Uh, probably uh, Crosby.
1: Is that who you try to play like?
2: No, I play, I try to play like Evgeny uh, Malkin as well. Oh, not a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. you, you think the
0: Leafs can finally get past the Bruins this year?
2: Um, oh, I think I think they'll they'll get past them. I have a feeling they will.
0: I like your uh I like your thought
1: process, I like your confidence, <laughs> yeah. Francesco. Um after being drafted, of course, now the work starts. Um or, or continues rather. Um what did the Rangers scouting staff or general manager or head coach? What did they tell you about what they want to see from you in the next couple of weeks here before the actual camp gets underway?
2: Uh well, I haven't really got the chance to talk to them much. But after watching some videos, they, they, they think I have a physical game, um, and they, they really like my hockey IQ. So,
1: Do you talk at all to people in the league now that may be a little older than you about what their experience was like coming in as a rookie or anything like that? Have you talked to anybody in the league to try to learn about how best to transition from the AAA game to the
0: Ontario Hockey League?
2: Uh, no, not really. I haven't uh, touched base with anyone really on uh, the rookie situation So.
0: What do you do in your spare time when you're not going to school, when you're not working out or playing hockey? Is it video games? You watch movies, Netflix? What's the deal?
2: Um, well, I usually uh, play uh, basketball uh, in front of my house. or uh, I used to play soccer, so I'll, I'll go kick the ball outside or something like that, just try to be active and stuff like that.
0: Multi-sport
1: athlete, eh?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you, you watch both soccer and basketball?
2: Um, I don't watch much of it. I usually just watch hockey, but... Uh, like when the World Cup's on or something like that, I'll, I'll watch for sure.
1: How excited are you for this summer to finally be over? Because I'm sure you get drafted and then you're like, okay, now I just want to go. I just want to go. I want rookie camp to be here. I want main camp to be here. And I want the season to be here. How excited are you for this season to get underway?
2: Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, um, so if, if when I play for the Kitchener Rangers, uh, I'll, I'll, make the, I'll try to make the best of it. And I know it's going to be a great experience. Um, hearing such great things about the organization and everything like that.
0: Well, Francesco, as we said at the outset, uh, you'll be getting sick of us in no time, but we really appreciate this first interview, and we look forward to seeing you in a Rangers uniform at rookie camp. Yeah, thank you. you. Francesco Pinelli, first rounder, 13th overall to the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, Sounds like he'll fit right in with this Rangers team as it continues its rebuild and starts to tick up in the next season. But you also, Popper, wanted to make note of, and I think it's worth noting, what happened in Windsor during the draft. Well, that's because
1: there's rumors out there that Windsor wanted to take Pinelli much earlier, obviously. And Pennelly said, no, don't take me. I'm not coming there. I don't want to go there. And there's a lot of that behind the scenes stuff in the draft. And A big part of why I believe, if that is the true happenings, is because of the possible sale of the Windsor Spitfires. Uh, Bob Bugner, majority owner, Warren Reichel, and there's a third party as well that owns a bunch of uh, stake in the Windsor Spitfires, are supposedly selling to a doctor in Windsor. And there's a bit of funniness, if you will, in this peculiarity and oddity. Well, he has two sons. And he wants them to play in the Ontario Hockey League, so the easiest way to do that is buy yourself a team like we saw in Flint. And no, I'm not just bringing this up. In fact, the Windsor Spitfires took his youngest son this year in the OHL priority selection. He was unranked. They took him in the first, I think six, I think it was fifth round or sixth round. He wasn't even ranked. In the draft. And then they took his oldest son, who was passed over in last year's draft, in the first
0: round of the U 18 this year. So the potential, the prospect of the rumored new owner in Windsor now has both of his kids within the Spitfires fold. Right. Now, where have we heard
1: this story before where an (laughs) owner buys a team to put his kid in the league? Rolf Nielsen. Oh, right. Yeah. In Flint just across the border from Windsor. And don't get me wrong. You don't have to look very far. Windsor. Warren Reichel had his son on his team. He belonged in the league, though. He wasn't drafted by Windsor. They had to trade for him because they knew that Warren would pay a
0: King's ransom for him. But Kirby belonged in the league. And then he traded him later for a King's (laughs) ransom to Guelph. He traded his own son. Yeah. You know, and you bring I that up and, and you I look at it. what had happened, and I'm not trying to to cast any, uh, you know, nets over this doctor from Windsor who may become the new owner of the I team. I am. Well, but the league, like, we don't know yet. So we're, you know, there is a history with when you look at the Flint Firebirds organization, but moreover for me, I, I'd like to know what steps the league has taken to this point because... I was talking to another owner in the OHL this year who just happens to be a former radio executive that I knew from way back in the day. So we were just chatting. You just got to listen to a few podcasts ago to put the pieces together. You might be able to do that. <laughs> but it was just it a was, it was semi-casual chat, but I just I was curious about yeah. this. So I said, so how how much vetting goes on? Because, you know, I knew this guy as a radio executive. I knew he had the money. It's, that wasn't the point. But I'm wondering... You know, what makes you... And he was great, by the way, as a radio man. But what makes you qualified as an Ontario Hockey League owner? And so he said, funny you should ask. And he told me the story. That helps, for sure. You got to have the money. But then he told me the story of going into the league offices and sitting down with Dave Branch and Ted Baker and some others. And when he walked into the room, this owner, and I'll quote him, says, oh, this is the asshole meeting, eh? In other words, this is the meeting where you determine whether or not I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, knowing this guy to the level that I do, which not like, it's not like we drink beers together, not like I've ever been to his house, but, you know, seems like a reasonable enough fellow. He's just a guy that's got a lot of money and a passion for hockey. And But he went through this meeting that was meant to determine whether or not he would be a good owner for the league. So isn't the league, wouldn't you suspect, one? one would assume that the same process has happened with the prospective new owner in Windsor. So well, I,
1: think it, I think it's happening because there's, yes, they're for sale. Yes, there's belief that this
0: doctor is the, the buyer. But shouldn't this just be the red flag that says, stop the presses, you're not making this sale?
1: Well, this is what I'm saying. Obviously, it's gotten to a point. Warren Reichel is not the kind of guy that's just going to draft somebody unranked in the fifth round because he thinks this sale is going to go through. This is a done deal. It's a done deal. Warren Reichel doesn't make this
0: move. He doesn't draft these players if it's not a done deal. So maybe the owner has already been vetted then. Maybe the asshole meeting, to use the quote, has already happened. And listen, I have no problem with
1: the doctor wanting to do it. You're trying to do what's best for your kids. I definitely don't have something against the kids. Not their problem. But how are we allowing this? How are we allowing wealthy
0: individuals to purchase teams in this league just so their kids can play in it. Well, listen, I am going to, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to be the glass half full guy this time around. And I'm going to say, let's just see Don't knock how, it over. how it plays out. Let's just see. Look, you're a fifth rounder into the OHL, Hakan Nilsson in Flint. And let's be, let's be fair to the kid. playing pro right now and he turned himself into a pretty decent player yep he never belonged on the top pairing in his rookie (laughs) year which is what dad was insisting on and that's when everything got really really messy okay but but (laughs) maybe maybe the owner's kid in windsor look fifth round you and i already talked before our francesco pinelli interview that after the first round it's really hard to judge so he yep the kid was unranked okay shows up in the fifth round Maybe he'll get out there and dad will watch him skate with the big boys and realize that this is just not a league that he's ready for yet. Who knows? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt is all I'm saying. Okay. okay. I'm just saying I don't like that it's happening because it is happening. And and if you think it's not, you're wrong. And I understand that. And your, your reservations are uh, well-founded based on what we've already seen. But I, I'd like to hope the league learned its lesson. Good grief. It can't just all be about the dollar signs that come in when you sell the team. And listen, I, if the kid can play...
1: And I really have no problem with, with it. I just think like, it'd be better if Warren drafted him and then the purchase went through. Like, and Then there was, then he's like, oh, the team's for sale. And the guy's like, oh, well, you drafted my kid, I'll take it. Like, is, was he prepared to come to Kitchener with an offer if his son was drafted to Kitchener? Was he prepared to go to Flint with an offer if his kid was drafted to Flint? Or is this perceived that my kid is coming up and I want them to play in this league? What happens if his, if his poor child is on the Windsor Spitfires next season, and is Bambi on ice? He's an ankle skater, and he gets ran over. Is the or, or if he doesn't, if he's just out there and he's really bad, does the league just accept it? Does everybody just turn a blind eye?
0: Well, oh, the owners kid, but that's what happened. And again, you got to give Hockey yeah, Milton credit. Hockett wasn't that bad. He no, was, he wasn't that bad. But do you remember when it it caused such such a, a rift in the room mm-hmm. that they all, including. Hawking son. himself. Yeah, here t- take my jersey. You bring that coach back, or we're all quitting. Yeah. So that kid, you know, I don't know. You are right. It's not the kid's fault. <laughs> a, no, not it at goes all. To, so, and it goes to show that maybe the kids are the hope in all of this. Well, I, I got know.
1: no problem with the doctor doing it either, because you are just trying to give your sons the best life they can have. And draft and them the fourteenth the ru- round. though. Well, if the rules are, I am with you, but this is what I mean. If if the rules are what they are, and they allow you to purchase a team and make and the the uh the the sellers are willing to do what you ask before the sale is quote approved. I don't know, it's a messy situation. Bad it is.
0: Okay, let's see if we can make I a if we'll mess. Wonderful get a press release. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we have another we'll, we'll be watching this. We will be watching this through the season ahead. Uh, uh, to see how messy it's been. Let's see if we can mess up uh continuing with the mess. The uh OHL awards for this year. Let's ru- let's run through the categories and see what our picks would be, and then compare them, to, to what actually happens. All right, all right. Uh, you want to start first, or where, I'm going to ask you first. Okay, so I'll, right. yeah, and then you can I'll I'll answer the second one first, if you know what I mean. Rookie of the year, who do you want to take?
1: Okay, so we should preface this of saying that there's nomin or there's finalists, yeah. and then members of the league vote, and they can't um, vote for players on their team, I believe. So there's six finalists up for Rookie of the Year, and then the teams around the league vote on who they believe is the Rookie of the Year.
0: All 20 OHL GMs yeah. do
1: this, yeah. So, Rookie of the Year finalists, Quentin Byfield out of Sudbury, Jamie Drysdale out of Erie, Cole Perfetti out of Saginaw, Jacob Perot out of Sarnia, Marco Rossi out of Ottawa, and Tyler Tulio out of Oshawa. My pick, and the only pick, as far as I am concerned. We're going to say the same thing here. want to say it together? Okay,
0: on three. Okay, one, two... Cole Perfetti. Perfetti. Okay, <laughs> see, I was going to say, is it on three or one, two, three, yeah, and then I don't go? Know, but we nailed it, okay. right? Cole Perfetti. I don't think there's any question, and it's almost too bad because Marco Rossi, of course, had that injury mid-season, which could have changed the whole thing. And you don't want to take anything away from Quinton Byfield. We only get to see him twice. Going back to our conversation earlier about Shane Wright, and the second time we saw him, holy Hannah, compared to the first. But for me. I agree with you 100%. It's Cole Perfetti.
1: Yeah, Cole Perfetti has came into this league and showed that it's very easy for some people to come into this league. 37 goals, 37 assists. Yes, he's on a good team. Yes, he's playing a lot of minutes, but you watch this kid play. He can skate. He's physical. He plays 200 feet. And boy, can he have a rip-a-puck.
0: I'm a big, big fan of Cole Perfetti. All right, overage so, player of the year. Okay, yeah, so go ahead. Uh, the nominees are... Or the finalists are Justin Brazzo out of North Bay, Sean Dersey from Owen Sound, Guelph, Ty Feliber from Ottawa, Kevin Hancock from Owen Sound, London, Mac Hollowell from Sault Ste. Marie, and Brandon Sajan from ha- Oshawa, Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I said I would go first on this one. And you know what? I'm going to go a little bit off paper on Pardon? this one. Uh, I think, anyway. Uh, Because I think the sexy pick and the one you'll probably make is Justin Brazeau. But I'm going to go with Mac Hollowell out of Sault Ste. Marie, because here was a guy that was underrated under the radar coming into this league and has built himself into one of the league's premier defensemen. And to the point that the Toronto Maple Leafs said, yeah, that's the kind of guy that we want as part of our team in the future. Mac Holloway for everything he did up until this final year the progression he is my overager of the year. You're wrong. Okay. 61 tucks. 60 I know. That's why he's the sexy pick. Tucks. Yeah. He's not the sexy pick. He is the sexy he's pick. He's the right pick. And he also earned himself <laughs> a free agent contract. And I love yeah. that he that he didn't take the NHL
1: entry. He took. He just went straight AHL. There was lots of talk about an NHL entry. He said, no, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to the American Hockey League. I I love it. And he signed with the Marlies. 61 goals by Justin Brazzo, 113 points. He is the correct choice for overager of the year. All right. I wanted to make it a little different, but yeah, I, I, I respect the choice. I know, because we're both agreeing on everything. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. So next, uh, most sportsman-like player of the year. Uh, the William Hanley Trophy finalists are Cole Carter, former Kitchener Ranger from Mississauga, the captain of the Steelheads this year, current Kitchener Ranger, Joseph Gareffa, Ryan McGregor, the captain of the Sarnia Sting, Alan McShane of Oshawa, Nick Suzuki of Owen Sound and Guelph, and his brother Ryan Suzuki of Barrie. Congrats to the Suzuki parents
0: for <laughs> raising two gentlemen. Two gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right, you go first on this one. He had two penalty minutes. I know. That's the thing. But we're going to sound like the homers that we are. He had
1: two penalty minutes. I agree. He's five foot. I know he's not. But he's an undersized defenseman playing at defense most of the year and then up to forward, back and forth. You'd think as an undersized defenseman going up against some of the big power forwards in this game, Joseph Gareffa would take far more penalties. Not a trip, not a hook. He had one penalty all season long. And he got it for covering the puck with his hand.
0: <laughs> yep, and it was late in the season. It was late too. in the season, only the two heat, penalty minutes. It's not even close in my mind. I agree. I just like the uh, the first round on Rookie of the Year, where we both went with Cole Perfetti. This time, we're both going with Joseph Gareffa. Okay, how about Coach of the Year? That's the Matt Layden Trophy and the finalists are... Neither of the the two finalists, by the way, that I suggested should be in the conversation when they met at the odd, in Jay McKee of the Kitchener Rangers and James Richmond of the Mississauga Steelheads. And I said that at the time, yes, to provoke some conversation, but also to point out that, you know, you don't need to have the best team necessarily to be described as the best coach. What are you getting out of the players that you've got? And I still think both of those gentlemen did something with less than some of the names we're about to go over. But John Dean with Sault Ste. Marie is a finalist, Dale Hunter with London, Chris Lazary in Saginaw, Corey Stillman in Sudbury, Andre Tarign in Ottawa, and Greg Walters in Oshawa. For me, the pick has got to be Chris Lazary. He's it's got to be based on what the Saginaw spirit did after they made Chris Lazary the head coach. And I'll tell you what, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, it it pains me a little bit to say that because I'm a I'm a friend of Troy Smith. I, I like the man. I've known him for a lot of years since he was an assistant in Kitchener. Uh, I'm not sure he got a fair shake in Saginaw, but the team did what the team did, and that's up to the team. But I don't think you can argue with what Chris Lazary did or what the Saginaw spirit did under his leadership. He, for me, is the coach of the year.
1: I put Dave Drinkle a bit on blast on this podcast when he fired Troy Smith. Um, I have made no qualms about it the move worked. The Saginaw Spirit were a 500 hockey club when Troy Smith was relieved of his duties, and then Saginaw took the West division. Um, I think he'll get some nods for sure. I just don't know, because of the trades that they did make, if you can give a coach coach of the year.
0: See, I think that actually adds to his resume because, well, you're keeping a team that you got onto a run after taking over before Christmas and then kept them together even as you added new parts. I think that speaks to what you're doing.
1: I'm with you, but I think the head coach of the year is John Dean out of Sault Ste. Marie because let's call a spade a spade. I think at the end of last year, coming into this year, Kyle Raft has said to himself, okay, rebuild year, where am I going to flip Morgan Frost? And then the team came out and he thought, they started winning. He's like, oh, this is great. This is great. We're winning. It's, he's getting points. Matthew Vallalta looks great. Barrett Hayden looks good. Their value is going to be skyrocketing. I'm going to get a King's Ransom. And then they kept winning. And they kept winning. And they kept winning. You see what I'm doing here? And John Dean forced Kyle Raftus' hand at the deadline. I think he wanted to make trades. I think he wanted to rebuild. And he's like, I, I can't. What do I do? I can't trade players, my star players, when we're sitting second in the Western Conference, four points back of London. I think John Dean forced Kyle Raftus' hand. And I think when you do that to a team that was as good as they were last year and as in, all in as they've been over the last three or four years—
0: I think that deserves you, coach of the year. I think that's a really nice way to put it, that John Dean forced Kyle Raftis' hand, because what really happened is Morgan Frost and Barrett Hayton and Jordan Sambrook <laughs> forced Kyle Raftus' hand, right? But that's the age-old debate we, we, over... We saw them. Like, they haven't changed. Yeah. Brand-new coaching staff, and they just play the same way. Is it the coach? Is it the players? I've come a long way in that mindset over my years in this league, and i I used to give the coaches far less credit than they deserve... I've come around to start giving them more, and I I say that somewhat in jest, although much like Dale Hunter being on this list, I think he's uh, a victim of being overlooked because of the players he has on the ice. And because he's on the list every year. And probably deserves to be on the list every I year, right? them. Yeah. Of course. But John Dean is, a, is an absolutely good pick, but I'm going to stick with Chris Lazar. You can hate London all you want. If you don't respect it, you're an idiot. Absolutely. Okay, goaltender of the year award finalists. Uh, it's my turn to go first, Doesn't
1: right? matter. We both know
0: who it is. Uh, you're right. You're right. The <laughs> finalists are Cedric Andre in uh, Ottawa, Kyle Kaiser in Oshawa, Ukopeka Lukkanen or UPL in Sudbury, Ivan Prosvatov in Saginaw. Joseph Raymakers in London. Matthew Valalta in Sault Ste. Marie. And the winner, of course, Popper is... Uko Pekka-Lukkanen. I thought you were going to say UPL. You gave him that yeah. short form. Uh, I like it. It's the end of it. That's it. Moving right? on. Yep. <laughs> Cedric Andy should get an honorary nod.
1: Young goaltender in this league coming in. First full year as a starter in the OHL. And he has Ottawa in the top spot in the OHL before going out and get Michael DiPietro. Absolutely. Who's not even on this list this year, if you had told me at the start of the list, you'll be reading off the finalist for goaltender of the year, and Michael DiPietro won't be on that list, I probably would have laughed in your face. Not unfair. Right? Yep. Uh, okay, defenseman of the year. Evan Bouchard, the captain of the London Knights, Declan Chisholm of Peterborough, Thomas Harley, Mississauga Steelheads, Noel Hoffenmeyer. Of the sixty sevens, Mac Hollowell, who we've already talked about from the Sioux, and Bodie Wild from Saginaw, Mike Farwell,
0: Bouchard, Chisholm, Harley, Hoffenmeyer, Hollowell, Wild. Well, after singing the praises of Mac Hollowell as the overager of the year earlier, it's hard to go away from him here, but I will. Yeah, in part just for entertainment purposes, but uh, Evan Bouchard for me because this guy controls and or changes the game from the back end and that is not an easy thing to do and I say that as well in recognition of our honorable mention to Bodie Wilde because remember the first time we saw him this year we're like holy Hannah can't wait to watch more of this kid but for me for the reasons I said controlling a game or impacting and changing a game from the back end Evan Bouchard is my pick for defenseman of the year.
1: Completely agree with you. He's too good for this league, and he just couldn't crack the NHL lineup. It's one of those odd positions where you're not old enough to play pro, but you're too good for the O. And there needs to be something done there because guys like Evan Bouchard don't belong in this Ontario Hockey League. He's an NHL-caliber defenseman. And when the Edmonton Oilers start next season, opening day with Evan Bouchard and Dmitry Samarukov on their back end starting lineup... I'm going to watch because those two studs are going to change that hockey club. Dmitri Samarukov rains Ball. balls from the blue line. He does everything. His stick handling, his skating, his physical aspect of his game, the clappers from the point, the sh- shiftiness on the blue line on the power play where he gets pucks around. That's where Nate Schnarr scored a goal last night. Beautiful play by Samarukov who had, um, I can't remember, the forward on London. Anyway, coming out to him on the point. It's just, both of them. Sam Marukov's not on this list. I don't know how, regardless. Uh, Bodie Wild, I give a stick tap to for sure, especially coming in as a rookie. He gets an NHL contract out of it this year. Also, Thomas Harley. You're going to hear his name called in a couple months at the NHL draft. Watch out for this kid. Special kid out of Mississauga.
0: Did we just go through this entire list and disagree only on the overager of the year? Oh, and on coach of the year. And coach of the year. I went with Lazarus, You went with Dean. But other than that, we were... Uh, so there is also the most outstanding player right. of the year. And this is the one that we get a chance to vote on as members of the media. Do you have your... Do you remember your selection or can you pull it up in your email here? I'll no, run down the... I remember my
1: selection. Okay, yep. I don't. I.
0: We make three picks, yeah. right? And then they get scored one, two, three. You know, based, it's a point system, right? Whoever gets the most number one picks, et cetera, and then total points.
1: Each team has to nominate somebody for the Red Tilson trophy. So you pull up or you get your picks ready. I'll read off the list I here. Got them right here in my head. Okay. Okay. Out of Barry, Tyler Tucker, the defenseman. Erie, Chad Yetman. Out of Flint, Ty Delandria. Nate Schnarr out of Guelph. Out of Hamilton, Arthur Kaliev. Ryan Cranford out of Kingston, like there was another choice. Riley Damiani. Out of Kitchener. London nominated Kevin Hancock. Former Ranger Cole Carter gets nominated out of Mississauga. Niagara nominated Jason Robertson. North Bay, Justin Brzeau. Kyle Kaiser out of Oshawa. Ty Feliber out of Ottawa. Trent Bork from Owen Sound. Peterborough nominated goaltender Hunter Jones. Owen Tippett from Saginaw. Ryan McGregor from Sarnia. The Siouxs, Morgan Frost. Sudbury's UPL. And out of Windsor, Tyler Angle. Mike Farwell. Your top three, starting from third
0: place, most outstanding player of the year. I'm going to say right now as we start this, uh, stick around to hear about Fast Freddy Wallace up in Owen (sighs) Sound, who for the first time in his 30-year career in this league sent in a write-in vote. You're going to love it. I know I did. My third pick in the Red Tilson, most outstanding player in the OHL voting this year was Uko Pekka Third place UPL. Third place, Yeah. And I, I I waffled a little bit, but my number one I knew before I even looked at the list of finalists. Uh but so I put him third. You want me to give you all three? So down to two then yeah. I went with Jason Robertson, who had a year for the ages obviously, and to me it was a no brainer to put Justin Brazo as the most outstanding player in the OHL this year. Wow. Yeah. 61 tucks, as you said before. Chris Pope, from three to one. I want to ask you something, yeah. real, just on the basis of this,
1: because I struggle with it each and every year. I think you should.
0: Because is Justin Brzeau the best player in the league? Well, see, this, is, it, it, this goes back to the age-old MVP debate, yeah. but this is asking for, I guess that's what it's asking for, because they call it most outstanding player for a reason. I, see, I don't think so. It's not MVP. MVP I, I, and, and is a different most argument. Outstanding.
1: Yes, he was the most outstanding player, like, or a player who we
0: vote on may be the most outstanding player, but is he a better hockey player than Nick Suzuki? No. Right, but by definition, I think what the, my interpretation of the award, the way it's described, most outstanding player, which player stood out the most? That's the way I okay. look at it, and that's why I make the picks that I make. I like it. Okay. So my third selection
1: wasn't on your list. Morgan Frost. Yeah.
0: Well, and see,
1: sure. Yeah? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to have a wrong pick in here. They, that list of players, phenomenal. Yep. Um, Morgan Frost, second half of the season, what he did, what he did when Barrett Hayden went down, he was a man on a mission at some point. I think he had like 21 points over the course of like four games at one point. Dude was en fuego, as the kids used to say. Uh, second place. Uko Pekka-Lukkanen. Hmm, second spot, eh? Yep. Uh- second spot, he was outstanding, led the league in shutouts, showed his importance when he went off to the World Juniors and won gold with Finland when Sudbury didn't win a game. That's impressive. And to me, there is no other answer you can put for first overall and the eventual winner of the Red Tilson Trophy, 61 talks. Yeah. Okay. Justin Brazile. I was getting a
0: little bit worried there for a yeah, second. Oh, no, 61 yeah. uh I think, I think if I remember all of Freddie Wallace's picks correctly, you have them, except in a different order, I think. Because he had, I'm pretty sure he had Frost and Brazile. Uh, but Freddie went with Ukopeka Lukkanen as the no-brainer number one. Mm. But the most interesting thing... Who did he put second? I, I'm going off the top of my head, so don't quote me. But yeah. I think he went UPL, Frost... Brazil could have been Brazil Frost, but I'm I'm almost. Oh, I thought positive. you said he had a write-in though. Don't yeah. to go, don't you have to write in one of those? No, no, you send in your three, and then you add a write-in. Oh, yeah. I see. It's almost like a protest, I think. I gotcha. and based on Freddie's write-in, I think it was a protest, yeah, but maybe.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, and so it seems if Freddie had Justin Brazil on his list, uh, I don't see any way that he doesn't become the Red Tilson Award winner this year. I I completely agree with you. Freddie Wallace's write-in vote for the uh, Red Tilson Award as most outstanding player in the OHL this year was the schedule maker for the Kitchener Rangers because what the schedule maker scheduled all eight Rangers attack matchups after the attack had traded the core and then some of their team Fred Wallace said for the first time in his OHL career he Submitted a write in vote, and that write in vote went to the schedule maker of the Kitchener Rangers.
1: It's a bold move. On sound won the first matchup, it was on trade deadline day.
0: It was before that. The first game the Rangers and Attack oh, played was December the 29th, right, right out of Christmas. Yeah. 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 Either way,
1: on sound won the first one, and they won the last one. After the deadline, it, I mean, yeah. It
0: was, it was a 6-2 and two series. And yeah. it, let's go back to what we said earlier. If there's something we want to put the league on blast for, it's playing teams eight times in a season, divisional opponents or otherwise. So cruel. I, I think it's, I get where Fred's coming from, and he, he pointed out that it was a big reason why the Rangers moved it up was. to fifth instead of... Owen Sound and who slipped to sixth but to say that to say that the schedule makers when this schedule comes out in June had any idea at that point that stacking games not that it would have been done deliberately I don't think but oh yeah Owen Sound's gonna sell off their team like sell off their team like nothing we've seen in many many years in this league so we're gonna schedule the games in the last half of the season I, I think that's uh that's a stretch and I love conspiracies I got no problem with Freddie saying it. I think if the Rangers had their choice, they
1: probably would have wanted to face the Sioux and not Guelph, because if Owen Sound took a game off the Sioux, what
0: do you think Kitchener would have done? Yeah, well, maybe maybe Freddie just didn't want to make the trip up to. Uh, <laughs> 100. Would you want it? <laughs> well, I like it up there, but I was done yeah, after come last playoff year. time. We made a lot of trips up there a year ago, so I got no problem that he wrote it in. All right. We'll find out how we do uh, with our picks versus what the league ends up uh, coming out with. But it's interesting how many we agreed on. It's I almost know. like we watched the same games. Well,
1: I think it's pretty easy. Like to be honest, good point. The finalists are there, yes, and they all deserve to be finalists. But there's a clear winner in each one of them. I could I could have made those picks in December. Yeah. Really,
0: we'll see how we uh, do on Coach of the Year. That's true. And on Overage. Before the year. we uh,
1: before we wrap up, real yes, quick. Uh huh. One word before we wrap up. Okay. One word. No explanation. You got London coming out of the West. I got the field. So I say it's going to be Saginaw. One word, Mike Farwell. Who's coming out of the East?
0: Ottawa. Okay. That's it. Okay. I've been saying that for a while now. Just curious. Okay. I'm not changing. Okay. You're going to owe me a case of beer. All right. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast. Posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener.